God speaks to his children. God speaks to those who are born again. God speaks to his elect. From the beginning of time in the Bible, God spoke to his children. In the previous podcast, we see things that God spoke to Abraham. Now, he speaks to us today, and for this reason, I'm going to record for you some of the things God has spoken to me. I'm also going to recommend to you that you sit down and write out some of the things that you know that you've heard from God. This is very helpful to us in sustaining faith and also in helping us to endure in difficult times. As God spoke to Abraham, God speaks to us today. God speaks by the Holy Spirit, bringing things to our memory. God speaks by dreams. God speaks by angels. And God speaks concepts and scriptures to us by the Holy Spirit to help us to know which way to go in the situations pertaining to this present life. As you have seen examples of God speaking to Abraham, to Noah, to Adam, you're going to see examples of God speaking to me through the things that I write on this podcast and record. And the podcast tomorrow, I'm planning on recording things that God has spoken to Pam Padgett. If you belong to God, he speaks to you. And basically, even if you don't belong to God, he might call you and speak to you to get you to come to him after he's called you. These are only a few of the things that I can remember that God has spoken to me. I was baptized in water when I was 15 years old, but I was not born again until I was 37. On August the 5th, 1975, I was in my bedroom, and God spoke to me by his Spirit and said, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, sins? I thought they were mistakes. At that moment, I was changed instantly by God into a new creature. I was totally different from the person that I had been before. Sometimes I couldn't even recognize that I was answering a person because my words were so different from what I was have said before I was born again. There was a significant change in me. Being born again is change. We are born again by the will of God. When he reveals himself to us, gives us some sort of truth, opens our eyes to see a scripture, we're instantly changed by God, born again, given the Spirit of God to live in us. One of the earliest examples that I have of believing that I've heard from God happened to me some time probably in the year 1976. I had been born again in 75. 
At that time, I owned a small business. A woman took me to court over an incident that happened at my shop. And I heard two words which I believed to be from God. Don't testify. I was a very new Christian. I didn't know hardly anything about the Bible at that time. But somehow I I believed that it was God who spoke those words to me. This is pretty much like the way God spoke to Abram and told him to depart from his father's house. Abraham just believed God by faith. In the spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, we see that faith is one of the spiritual gifts. There can be a supernatural faith that comes upon us from time to time, and I think that's what might have happened to me because I knew nothing. But how could I have believed that word was from God? I still don't understand how I could have believed it, except it might have been a spiritual gift of faith. Now, you think that when the word's going to come, that it's going to be wonderful and unite everybody, but what Jesus says is, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. I believe that's in Matthew 10. And he said, I came to divide father from son, mother from daughter, daughter from mother-in-law, and your foes will be they of your own household. You're going to find after God speaks to you, oftentimes your foes are they of your own family, and frequently they will be from your own church. Well, I just had a terrible time after I heard this word, don't testify. I called my lawyer and I said, you may not want to represent me, but I believe I've heard from God. And what I've heard is don't testify. So I'm not going to be testifying at this court case. He said, oh, no, I'll represent you because Flo's testimony will be good enough for us to win. Flo was the woman who worked for me who witnessed the incident that took place in my shop. But when Flo heard I wasn't going to testify, it was really shocking to me because she became angry with me. (laughs) She said, now all the burden is upon me since you're not going to testify. I said, well, but what can I do? I think I've heard from God, don't testify. She probably didn't have any thought whatsoever that that might be from God. The man I was dating at the time was very upset with me. He said, Joan, you are not going to do this girl any good by not testifying. And I replied, I'm not trying to do this girl any good. I'm trying to obey what I believe to have been from God. I think I heard from God. We got into the courthouse and Flo testified at the court trial. And my lawyer said to me, well, her testimony wasn't as strong as I thought it would be. But if you will testify, we will win this court case. And I said, well, I'll see. I got up from the courtroom and went into the ladies' room and began praying. And I said, God, what do you want me to do about this trial? And I heard, don't testify. I went back into the courtroom, it was a recess period, and my lawyer was sitting at the lawyer's desk, and he turned, and he had been watching the door waiting for me, 
And when I came in the courtroom, I just shook my head no. So he knew I wasn't going to testify, and he didn't ask me any more after that. At one point, things went so badly in the court trial that I said to God, I hope you know what you're doing. We're going to lose this case. But we didn't lose the case. We won the case. And I did not testify. And this is where God started teaching me about faith, was with this one situation. There was a second court trial that was pending, A man had come through Dallas selling Indian jewelry, which was what my business was, and he rented a motel room and was selling Indian jewelry at huge discount prices, 70% off and things like that. Dallas Morning News came to me at that time, newspaper in Dallas, and they um, asked me if I would write an article concerning purchasing Indian jewelry and things to be careful about. Because Indian jewelry was really popular in 1975. So I wrote an article for Dallas Morning News. A little bit later, there was a man that came to my shop, a little short, fat man, and he was wearing a tie and had tie clasps that were handcuffs. He identified himself as one of the deputy sheriffs, and he said, little lady, do you know a man named so-and-so, and and I said, no, no, I don't know him. And he said, well, he was kind of laughing. He said, well, he knows you. He's suing you for a million (laughs) dollars. Well, this little man got such a kick out of telling me that. I thought it was totally ridiculous. I, I mean, how could you sue me? I haven't done anything. Well, I found out later, you don't necessarily have to have a reason in the United States to be able to sue somebody. I took the papers that the sheriff gave me and just, it was so silly to me that I just tossed them over on a countertop in my office and ignored it for about a week. And then I realized I was going to have to respond to this thing, that if I didn't respond, that man might be able to get a judgment against me and take all my merchandise. So I called a man that I knew who was a lawyer and he was going to represent me. About three weeks later, I got a bill for $3,000 from the law firm. They had filed some kind of paper in the court. And then the next week or two, I got another bill for about $3,000. And pretty soon, I realized that it was going to take all of the profit from my business and eat up everything I had to pay my own lawyer's. And I turned to God, a new Christian, very new Christian. And I turned to God and said, what can I do about this? Shortly thereafter, God called to my attention a scripture. And it was in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I took this scripture and began to reason this scripture. 
No weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Well, now I'm born again. I'm a servant of the Lord. And this says no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. So why am I paying lawyers to represent me in a court trial when the weapon can't prosper? I called my lawyer and I told him, I said, I'm now a Christian and this scripture has been called to my attention and I read it to him. And I said, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. Therefore, this won't prosper. This weapon against me won't prosper. So I have decided to dismiss my attorneys and go to court without any human legal counsel. And he just gasped and said, Oh, Joan, you can't do this. You don't realize how wicked these courts are today. You can't do this. And I said, Well, it's a promise of God in the Bible. And either it's true or not true. And I think I told him, This is a good time to prove it. And what he said to me, by the way, was this. Oh, we're willing to work with you on this. Why, it'll only take about another $10,000 to try your case. And I said, $10,000, Gordon, stop. Don't do anything else. I did dismiss the lawyers and planned to go to court without any human legal counsel. And God gave me another scripture at that time. It was one concerning Abraham. The king of Sodom met Abraham on the road back from a battle. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. And listen to Abraham's answer, for this is what God said to me concerning this court case. Because my lawyers came back, about a week later, and said, we've decided to try your case without any further charge to you. Well, the previous week they were going to charge me about $10,000 more, and now it's going to be free. But I didn't hear God mentioned in this free lawsuit. So I turned to God, and I said, "What, what do you want me to do about this? Well, here's what I heard. And it is a scripture that's in Genesis that Abraham spoke. It's in Genesis chapter 14. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich. The minute I read that, I knew the answer. No, turn down this free legal service. This has been a very important statement to me for a long time. When I see, and I did meet one woman once who won the lottery, and people were just talking about how wonderful that was to win the lottery. 
And I thought, oh, I don't know about that. I'd rather have my riches come from God. And every time free things have been thrown up in front of me, I thought, I'd rather have my riches come from God. I would rather have what God gives me than to win the lottery. I would rather have his support. I would rather have his blessings. Abraham said, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldst say, I have made Abraham rich. I felt the same way. It was about three or four months before the court case was due to take place. I was afraid, but every time I was afraid, God would give me a scripture. I took all those scriptures at that time. It was about 14 scriptures that God had brought to my attention. I took them and put them on a cassette tape, and when I would go to bed at night, I would play that cassette tape. I recorded both sides of the cassette tape with scripture that had been given me by God. I would fall asleep with the scriptures playing. When I would awaken in the night, I would turn on the recorder and play the other side of, of the tape that had the scriptures. I did that every night. Six days before we were scheduled to go to trial, I got a call from this man's lawyer. He said we told him that he had no grounds to file a lawsuit against you, but he was like a madman. He wouldn't listen to us. And this lawyer said, since you don't have a lawyer, I'm telling, I'm calling to tell you that this man dropped all charges against everyone. He was also suing some of the other Indian arts dealers. He dropped all charges. I said, did he drop all of them? against just me or everyone. He said he cut everybody, everyone loose. I thought about how people are blessed because of us. Of course, this was a great victory in faith for me, a very important victory. I basically risk everything in believing this scripture and doing this scripture. God used these two court trials to teach me a lot about faith and following him. Years later, I attended a church called Word of Faith. Our Bible teacher one time said, People here talk about faith, but Joan lives it. That's really true. I was always looking, when I read the Bible, I was always looking for a scripture that I could do. And I'd find this scripture and I'd say, oh, I'll do that. Now, I believe I was led by the Holy Spirit, but I was very interested in doing scriptures. From the time I was born again, for the next five years, God was teaching me. I know he was even teaching me before that, but he was really teaching me Bible during the next five years. He took me to all the scriptures in the Old and New Testaments concerning prophets. And something had happened to me, I guess I should back up and tell you. 
After I was born again, shortly after I was born again, I was transported into heaven in the night. I had been asleep. I wasn't awakened, but I was somehow just transported into heaven. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no physical images. It was just a spiritual experience. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few nights after this happened, the same thing happened again in the night. Twice I was transported into heaven. Well, during the time God was training me in the Bible and taking me to all of the scriptures about prophets, I really felt I was called to be a prophet. And along in those five years, now I I'd never really even told anyone a, a word of faith about being taken into heaven. But I'd been given quite a few spiritual gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. And as those gifts came forth at the prayer group and at the Sunday school class, because our teacher always said, does anyone have a word from the Lord? And I nearly, I guess I always did have a word from the Lord to share. Often it would be a gift of healing or one of those things, word of knowledge about a physical problem. But they all recognized that I, the hand, they kept saying, we know the hand of God is on you. Almost everywhere I went in church groups, things would happen and they'd say the same thing to me. We know the hand of God is on you. How'd they know that? I didn't tell them. But they saw the spiritual gifts that were operating through me. There's a scripture says a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. That's in Proverbs. Well, they saw that spiritual gift. I was operating by faith that I'd heard from God. And when I had a word from God, I shared it when I was invited to share it, like the Bible teacher always invited us to share words from God. And the prayer group, you were free to share words from God. You were never free to share words from God at the 11 o'clock service at Word of Faith that I remember. We weren't free to share at that time, although I think some people did stand up from time to time and speak things that they thought were prophecies. But once you left the church building, you could never remember what they said. So I don't think they were prophecies. They were just kind of flowery words. In approximately 1978, I was driving down the highway and God began speaking to me and said, I have called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. I was really shocked. I knew I was a prophet. I felt very strongly I was a prophet. But apostle, I screamed out, Apostle, what's an apostle? I knew the scripture in Ephesians 4 and that the church I attended, they were teaching Ephesians 4 and they said they believed this, verses 11, 12. And Jesus gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So this church group professed to believe 
that there were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers given by Jesus to the church today to work in the church today. But I didn't know anybody who said they were an apostle. I went to our Bible class teacher and I said, I didn't tell him what I'd heard. All I said to him was, who are the apostles at this church? He said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, what do apostles do in the church? And he said, I don't know. So I turned to God and just said, well, you're just going to have to teach me about this because I don't know what they are. And nobody here even identifies himself as an apostle. Now, there were some people who identified themselves at that church group as prophets, but nobody said they were apostles. Now, I never told any of these things to anybody at that church group. I didn't tell them the experiences that I'd had with God speaking to me and saying that I was an apostle. I didn't even tell them the experience that I'd had for five years with God taking me to the Bible and showing me what prophets do. But one Sunday morning at that church group, the pastor, Robert Tilton, said, Joan Boney is not a teacher. She's a prophetess. Our Bible teacher said, that's it. That's what she is, a prophet. He had nearly said I was a teacher. He knew I was something. He almost would say, Joan is called by God as a teacher. But then he always had what he called a check in his spirit. So he didn't say that I was a teacher. But when he heard the pastor say I was a prophetess, he said the pastor's exact words were, Joan Boney is not a teacher. She is a prophetess. Then our teacher said, that's it. That's what she is, a prophet. Well, that was correct. But I never told anybody about the apostle. Apostles deal with scripture and they're going to always be trying to get you to conform to scripture. There are so many strange doctrines in churches. They set up all kinds of things that are not in the Bible. Apostles are going to try to turn you to the Bible. Things like on divorce, remarriage. They're going to try to turn you to the Bible. That's what apostles are going to do that. They work very heavily in the area of Scripture. And prophets work to try to correct the church by the word of God, to bring them to God. I believe the two times I was taken into heaven that it was I was ordained by God as an apostle and prophet. Between the years 1975, when I was born again, and 1980, when I actually went into the ministry, God used this time to teach me. He took me to scriptures in the Bible, and we stayed on some of those scriptures as long as six months at a time to get it so deeply inside me that I would do it. I'll share some of those scriptures with you. I lived these scriptures. It's not that I memorized them. I lived them, and when you live them, you know them. Every day, I lived these scriptures. 
The first one I remember being taught was John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. When I saw that, I thought, the Son of God can do nothing by himself, of his own self. He heard from God. Therefore, I certainly can't do anything by learning or by my own self. I have to hear from God. So I live this scripture, evaluating. Have I heard this from God? Is this what the Holy Spirit has taught me? I was very careful with it. And then I did it. I would teach or share that which the Holy Spirit gave me. He took me to Matthew 16, verses 13 to 19, and shared that with me. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, another Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he, Jesus, saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now a lot of people will focus on what Peter said and get it all wrong. What's important is not what Peter said. It was the fact that God revealed this to Peter. And Jesus brings this out in the next sentence. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Not because he said that, but because God the Father had revealed this to Peter. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That was the important part, not the confession. The important part was God had revealed this to Peter. Verse 18 Jesus says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock being the word that God brings from heaven, upon this rock, this word that God brings from heaven to the individual Christians, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So God showed me the important thing was hearing from God, just like he'd shown me in John 5.30. Hearing from God. Verse 19. Jesus said, And I will give thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Joshua chapter 1 was very important to me. In it, verse 5, there shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. This is critical, especially for a prophet, because they will argue with you, and they will fight you, and they will scowl at you, and they look like they're going to kill you, and they, they did kill some of the prophets. The churches always kill the prophets. 
And prophets are only sent to the churches. They're not sent to the world. Ezekiel shows us that principle. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. There shall not be any man stand before you all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. God was saying to me, speak the word I give you, no matter what they look like, no matter how much they fight you. They will not be able to stand against you because the word you're carrying is my word. And I will not fail you nor forsake you. Then in verse 8, a very important principle is stated, and I did this all the time. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now, the way I translated it for myself as a New Testament church, this word of God that God brings to you will not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You hear different words at different points in time. That word that you have just heard is the one that you have to keep before you constantly. Then a month or two later, you may be given another word by the Holy Spirit. Keep that before you constantly. In verse 9, there's a critical evaluation for us concerning what we do. God says, have not I commanded thee? Check yourself. Is it God who told me to do this? I'll give this example. In the year 2020, I was considering having new upholstery put on the front seat of my 25-year-old car. And as I thought about this, the Holy Spirit said to me, or you could just buy a new car. I never thought of that. It's just like a lightning bolt hits you when the Holy Spirit speaks something like that to you. It, it was an option given to me by God, or you could just buy a new car. And God is going to show me the better way for me to go. I was going to put new upholstery on my 25-year-old car, and I hear, or you could just buy a new car. And I said, well, that's right. I could buy a new car. I had just sold a house in Texas. The money was sitting in the bank. I could easily pay cash for a new car and have a considerable amount of money left over. That night I had a dream that I bought a new car. I do confirmations on this. So the next day I told Pam Padgett, I said, I, need, I want us to go out this afternoon and look for a new car. I told her the word that I'd heard and the dream. She agreed. We needed to go out and look for a new car. And we went out about noon, started looking. By somewhere around 6 o'clock, we had made a decision and bought a new car. Having that type of confirmation from God and leading from God showed me a couple of things. Number one, it gave me the faith to go out and spend that money for that new car because I knew 
I would not need that money in the future. If I was going to need that money in the future, God would never have brought that option to me of going out and buying a new car. So I had great faith in buying this car. And that is so helpful. Faith is built upon that word that God speaks to you. And in this case, the word spoken to me was carried by the Holy Spirit in the form of a thought that came to my mind. Or you could just go out and buy a new car. So you have, your, you have that word that you are persuaded is from God and your faith is built on that and you act upon that word. So in Joshua chapter 1, God says, verse 9, Have not I commanded thee? Take that word and evaluate everything you do. Did God tell me to do this? If you are persuaded that it is God who has told you to do something, Proverbs 21, there's no counsel that stands against the word of the Lord. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. Have not I commanded you to do this, says God? And then in verse 9, he says, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I did this Joshua chapter 1 for months and months and months. I still do it today. I keep a collection of scriptures that have been brought to my attention by the Holy Spirit. I keep those scriptures on my Kindle tablet photo album. I make a screen print of the Bible page that has that scripture, and it transfers automatically. The screen print transfers to my photo album. I can keep all those scriptures together. They are so helpful to me. There are times you just run into a brick wall, so to speak, and you just feel your way down. You pray. You sit there. You don't really know what part of the Bible to read. And often God will have me read those meditation scriptures. And it really builds me up. There have been times when I was watching a television program and it would end. And usually it's very unsatisfying and so you just hunt another program. But sometimes I will say to God, well, what should I do now? And I'll be reminded of these meditation scriptures. So I turn to them that are on my photo album and just start reading them. All the collection of scriptures that God has given me, some from way back in the 70s. It's so helpful. Psalm 1 tells us basically the same thing that Joshua 1 tells us. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the scripture that's called to your attention by the Spirit of God. That's the power. That is where you should be looking right now 
At this point in time, the most recent scripture called to your attention. You should write that down and think upon it and do it. Be sure you're doing it. So verse 2 of Psalm 1, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Often I will take this collection of scripture, especially the most recent scripture, and keep it before me first thing in the morning and the last thing before I go to bed at night. Verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I picture a great big elm tree that's planted by the rivers of water, and it draws constantly from the water of that river. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the shaft, which the wind driveth away. So many people are like a leaf out in the yard. The wind hits it from the north and it blows south. Whichever way the wind blows, they go. Whichever way the newspaper or the television news tells you, they go that way. And then they turn around and go the other way. And they're just back and forth and back and forth. That's the ungodly. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The godly are those persons who are led by the Spirit of God. The ungodly are the ones who put themselves in the church and try to follow God by what other people do, and what seems good in their own eyes. And there are many ungodly people in churches. The elect of God are those people who are born again, changed by God, not by their own works, changed by God. And then after we are born again, we do the works of God, because the Spirit of God shows us what to do by bringing to our attention usually scriptures, but very often concepts. Another scripture which was important to me at the beginning of my time as a Christian, Psalm 118, verse 17, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I think one of those um, translations of the Bible, either NIV or NASB, says, says this scripture this way, I shall not die but live and tell of the works of the Lord. I was undergoing strong satanic attacks at the time I was born again. And basically it was time to stop me from doing the work of God. This scripture was something that I used daily to help me in those days. I shall not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. Another basic scripture that was critical for me was given to me when I was a new Christian in 1975. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God 
that giveth to all liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him, a promise of God. It shall be given him. One thing that God taught me is that you must not read the Bible with natural eyes, but rather with spiritual eyes, hearing from God on these scriptures that you're reading. I would put I took my Bible as a new Christian after I saw James one five, and I wrote at the top of every chapter in the whole Bible, pray for wisdom. Because I wanted to be sure to do James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, and I did, let him ask of God. So I would take the scriptures and pray for understanding before I read them. I don't always do that now. It's not a bad idea, of course. But with experience, you sometimes don't do these things. But one thing I do is when a problem arises in my life, I turn to God and say, help me, help me, please. It's the same as doing James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You can go around and ask other people. But remember this, they don't know the future. They may give you their opinion, but they don't know the future. Let God be your guide. Turn to him. Ask him what to do. The promise in this scripture is, and it shall be given him. And as a new Christian, God taught me about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in the life of the elect of God. John fourteen twenty six, Jesus says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear From God, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Four things the Holy Spirit does for us. He teaches us all things, spiritual and secular. I ran my business by this scripture. When I went out to buy merchandise for my business, I depended on God to teach me exactly which items to buy to show me what to buy. There have been many times that God has raised up the Holy Spirit and reminded me of a scripture to show me what to do. That happened to me in 2021. I was bombarded by thoughts one day. What if you can't walk? What if you get to where you can't walk? You'll have to go to assisted living. What will you do then? How will you handle this? I said, God, help me. And I heard, God will supply all your need. And I said, that's right. God will supply all my need. And all the burden lifted. That's the second part of this John fourteen twenty six. The Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, says Jesus. 
all the Bible is inspired by God. So when we hear a scripture, that we can know is Jesus speaking to us. So in that instant, I heard Philippians 4.19. The Holy Spirit said to me, God will supply all your need. I'm saying, what will I do? Help me. Then in John 16.13, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. One time, a strong wind or lightning or something struck Pam Paget's house, and all of her electrical equipment began going off. And everything had gone off, and she smelled something kind of burning, electrical burning. Well, it turned out that was a power cord that had shorted out. So that was minor. But everything went off. Pam said she just said, I can't face this. I just can't face working through this. So she just got in bed and pulled the covers up over her head. And Holy Spirit reminded Pam of just one thing to do. So she got up and did that. And then he reminded her of something else to do. And she did that. And pretty soon, almost everything was fixed. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth. I've had that happen many times as I'm recording. I will be reminded of one story, so I tell that. And as I get to the end of that story, I'm reminded of a scripture, so I speak that. And then I'm reminded of another scripture, and I speak that. And that's the way I present all the podcasts. I often look at this, these two sections of Scripture, John 14, 26 and John 16, 13, just to build my faith and to reinforce me in the way of God. Another Scripture which was very important to me concerning the working of the Holy Spirit is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says, And I, brethren, When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Paul is saying, I didn't sit around and think of clever stories to tell you. God has taught me not to do that. Very, very seldom do I ever get to tell something that is humorous or a joke or anything like that. That won't help you. That will entertain you, but it will not help you spiritually. So, God taught me, speak the word I give you. And that's what Paul is saying here. And I learned it from Paul by this scripture. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. I depend on God. I don't pre-plan what I'm going to say usually. I may have a basic idea of a subject when I go on stage to talk to people or when I'm on radio or when I'm uh, doing podcasts or when I'm writing. I might make an opening statement. 
on some subject, and then the Spirit of God begins to remind me of other things to say, and I start speaking. Whatever I'm led by the Spirit of God is what I speak, because that will meet your need. I do not know what you need, but God does, and through me, he will remind me of something which I speak, and you will need that very bit of information. You'll find that over and over and over when you listen to what I am recording because I'm not speaking of my own will. And even when I start speaking, sometimes I'll, I'll know what I'm going to say, but most of the time I just ask God to please help me. And I turn on the recorder and he will remind me of something and that's what I speak. It can be a scripture or it can be a story, a concept of something that's happened which has a spiritual teaching in it. Well, that's what he taught me to do, and he taught me that by these verses of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, which the Apostle Paul spoke. I learned, basically, from the Apostle Paul through God. Let me read those once again. And I, brethren, when I came to you, says Paul, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ the Word, and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. It's all a matter of depending on God depending on God to give you what they need to hear. And speaking that, yielding yourself to God. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. As I was speaking that to you, to you at this moment, I was reminded of something, and I'll tell you the story of what I was reminded of, believing that the Holy Spirit wants you to hear this example. At one point in time, I was visiting with my favorite aunt, who is or was Church of Christ member all her life. She's no longer living, but she was a Church of Christ member, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Tell her about being taken into heaven. Ooh, I didn't want to do that. You tell a church of Christ a supernatural story? I didn't want to do that. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking. So I yielded to the Holy Spirit and did what he said. I began telling her about the time I was taken into heaven, which happened shortly after I was born again. In the night, I was transported into heaven. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no physical images. It was strictly an experience in the Spirit. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with Jesus, the Word of God, with God and the Holy Spirit witnessing a few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me a second time. 
So I told my aunt that story, and I noticed as I was telling her, a sort of dreamy look came on her face. And after I finished speaking, she said to me, Something like that happened to me once, and it was all golden. She had been taken into heaven. My aunt and I always fit perfectly. Same spirit. Others in the family were afraid of her. Although I never saw her be harsh with anyone, but they were afraid of her. They would always say, oh, what will artists say about this? It wasn't what will God say about this. It was what will artists say about this because they recognized her as spiritual and they were not at that time born again. But I never said that or thought that about her. I was sort of one spirit with her from the beginning. And she once said to me, I always knew you would never do anything wrong. Well, I did everything wrong until I was born again. But the thing is, I think she saw me by faith, that God gave her a faith in what I was going to be or become or do in life. I think she saw the end of me rather than where I was. But we were one spirit, and it came out so strongly when I told her that about being taken into heaven. I doubt seriously that she's ever told anybody that story but me. So you yield to the Holy Spirit, and it brings results that are just incredible. One time I was flying to Albuquerque on a business trip when I had my business, and I was flying down there to over to Albuquerque. I lived in Dallas, Texas, and I was flying to Albuquerque to go out to the reservations to buy jewelry. As the plane landed, as the wheels touched down at the airport in Albuquerque, I heard, be baptized. My cousin, Jean, a Church of Christ member, met me at the plane. I said to her, Jean, if you can set it up this afternoon, I'll be baptized. And she said, but you've already been baptized. And I said, yes, but I wasn't born again until recently. And now I hear from God to be baptized. I don't think Jean was born again when I told her this story. And she said to me, well, okay. So she set it up for the afternoon before I'd go back to Dallas, set it up for me to be baptized at whatever church she was going to, some church of Christ. I was surprised because when we went in the church building, it was about 3 o'clock on a weekday, about 15 of my relatives were sitting there ready to watch me be baptized. I was really surprised. I was also surprised when the young minister said to me, would you like to say anything before you are baptized? And I said, well, I guess so. And I just started talking about being born again. I told him, well, as you know, I was baptized when I was 15, but I wasn't born again. I just went forward because I didn't want to go to hell. But then I was born again just recently when I was 37. And now I hear from the Holy Spirit to be baptized. And I spoke things like that. 
I noticed that one of my cousins sitting out there in the congregation was shaking her head up and down, agreeing with me as I talked. I noticed my uncle was crying. Tears were running down his cheeks. Well, as the minister lowered me into water, what I heard is, this is like being buried with Christ. When I came out of the water, what I heard is, this is like being raised with Christ. I dressed and came back downstairs, and my uncle came to me, and he was still crying. And he said, I've never heard anything like what you said today. Could you write that out for me and send it to me? I said, well, yeah, I guess so. So when I got back to Dallas, I wrote it out and mailed it to him. Years later, I realized that uncle was born again at the time I spoke about being born again. Now, this is a scripture. The Lord works with them with signs following. And that was a sign following what I yielded to the Holy Spirit and said. And it all started when we landed at the airport and I heard, be baptized, and to me that means now, be baptized. So I set it up to be baptized there in Albuquerque. Follow the Holy Spirit. If he tells you to do something, usually to me it means do it now. I just assume that God won't tell me to do it unless he wants me to do it. And that's when he wants me to do it. So I, I do that. I follow him immediately. If it's buying a car, that's when I buy a car. Is that immediately, that day, the next day? If it's be baptized, to me, that means now. So I have learned when you know it's God, when you're sure it's God, just do it. Here's more of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which taught me about the Holy Spirit. Start at verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Here's an example of that. I bought a very expensive plasma TV at one point in my life. It had a terrible picture. The dealer told me he would come out and calibrate it. He said, that's all it needs is calibrating. But then he didn't come. 
And I would call and ask him to get make an appointment. And I just got, a, he just beat around the bush. It was clear to me he wasn't going to come out and calibrate that unit. I even talked to the manufacturer of the unit. And he said, well, we, we really haven't had any trouble with the dealer, but obviously you have a problem, but we can't help you. You're going to have to get that dealer to come out. Well, I knew the dealer wasn't going to do that. I just kept trying to tune it with the remote control. It had wide black streaks on one side of the screen, and I kept trying to tune it with the lightness and darkness, and it was a constant problem to me. One day, when I was trying to tune it, I heard from God, you don't have to put up with this. And I thought, that's right. I can just buy another TV. This was an expensive TV. And I'll just have this TV removed when they install the new one. See, I heard from God, you don't have to put up with this. Now, look at that verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 2. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. The natural man will say, I'm going to force that dealer to come out here and fix it. Well, I knew the dealer wasn't going to do that. Why should I live in torment? Why should I try to force a dealer to do something when I already know he's not going to? Living in peace is very important. But the natural man says it's foolish to lose all that money off on that TV. But I knew I'd heard from God, you don't have to put up with this. So I went out and bought another TV and arranged to have it installed. And I told the man who installed it, just carry that one away. I just took the loss of the money in order to live in peace. Now, I had saved the money, so I wasn't going in debt. I, I could pay cash for the new TV. But this is very important illustration on showing you how to follow the Spirit of God. Let's just look once again at this section of Scripture. Because the Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to reveal to you at this exact moment the will of God in this that thing which you were trying to consider what to do. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit brings to our mind a scripture to show us what to do. And we follow the spirit of God and do that thing. I have done this so many times. One time I was stopped at a signal light and a pickup truck pulled up beside me. I glanced at it and saw that it had a load of firewood on it. And I was just looking at the firewood and thinking, and I was thinking, oh, I wish my fireplace was a wood-burning fireplace instead of gas logs. And I heard from God. 
you can have that. And I'd never thought of changing out of the gas logs until I heard that word. You can have that. Well, immediately, I went home and called the fireplace shop and said, I want you to come over and remove my gas logs, put a fire starter in it, and set it up for wood burning. I even ordered a load of firewood before I even got the change made to my fireplace. One of my friends, a Catholic woman, had come to my house after I changed it, and she said, oh, this is so nice. And I said, well, I told her the story of how God spoke to me and said I could do this. We played bridge together at that time at the bridge center, and I overheard her telling some other women at the bridge center what I'd done. And I, and I interrupted her because she didn't tell the part about God telling me, you can have this. She was just telling how nice it was what I had done. And I said, now, I, I really need to tell you that it wasn't that I did this. God told me I could do this, and then I did it. Almost every person that went to the bridge center went to some kind of church. Usually when you told them that God told you to do something, they got deathly quiet and just wanted to disappear. They weren't of God. They were just church joiners. But they really weren't the elect of God. The elect of God delights in hearing what God has done in your life. To the others, it's just foolishness. Because a natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. The natural man thinks you should operate by your own wisdom. And he wants to rejoice in you. But the ones who are the elect of God rejoice in hearing what God has done. And one other scripture on the Holy Spirit that was very important to me, John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Focus on that which God said to you. It's not what we say to God. It's what he says to us. That's the focal point. That's what we should write down and keep before us day and night. What did God say about this subject? Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.